Well, there's a story of a man who bought his three-year-old daughter a pet turtle. You ever had a pet turtle before? I don't know. Well, the pet turtle had quit moving, and the father had surmised that it had died. So what do you do? How do you tell your three-year-old daughter her pet turtle has died? So she was in tears, and the father explained that he would go to the pet store and just get another turtle. Well, he got nowhere with that idea because his daughter, even though she was three, knew that it would not be the same turtle. So she continued to cry. And he then said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll have a funeral for the turtle. Well, she didn't know what a funeral was. She was three years old. So she said, what is a funeral? And he said, a funeral is a great festival in honor of the turtle. Well, she didn't know what a festival was. <laughs> so he said, a funeral is like a birthday party. Uh, we'll have ice cream and cake and lemonade and balloons and all of your friends and all the children in the neighborhood will come over to play all simply because your little turtle has died. So her tears began to dry up. She got all excited. She got all happy. Uh, and then all of a sudden something happened they didn't expect. She looked down and the turtle began to move. turtle was not dead and in a matter of seconds the turtle was crawling around as lively as ever and the father didn't know what to say and the little daughter started getting sad again and she looked at her very innocently and said daddy I want it dead <laughs> she missed out on the party she thought she was going to have and that's kind of a humorous look at death those stories are kind of good because death is a very serious topic, as we know. Many people are uncomfortable talking about it because of its sense of finality. And unfortunately, it's been going through this pandemic the last few weeks. Many of us are all too familiar with that. In fact, all of us know either someone who has died from this virus or we know someone who knows someone. We all fall in that latter category. Over 600,000 people in the United States have died related to COVID-19 in the past year and a half. 4.3 million people in the world. In fact, so many more people have died in the United States than normal. The life expectancy is at its lowest since 2003. Life expectancy in the United States has declined from 78.8 years in 2019 to 77.3 years in 2020 declined by a year and a half for the first time it's dropped in a single year for the first time since world war ii when we had so many soldiers dying now we've always known that short of jesus returning that death is inevitable and this seems like a hopeless topic but it's not if we look at it through a biblical worldview through a christian worldview and today we're going to look at the inevitability of death but also the hope that we have in the glorious promise of christ's future return we are in first thessalonians 4 starting in verse 13 scripture says this but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are 
asleep. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Heavenly Father, as we continue to worship today, let us be encouraged by these words. Let us be encouraged by the words you've written us today, Father, about hope in your glorious return. No matter how scary, frightening, hopeless things may seem in our lives, we have hope in you. Lord, be with my words today. I pray that they are a reflection of your heart. Fill me with your spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you today three hopes we have of the future. Three hopes that we have of the future as Christians, as believers. Number one, we have a future hope in the reality of death. That's the reality, but we have a future hope even in the face of of that reality. In verse 13, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Paul doesn't want the, the Thessalonians to be ignorant of their future hope in Christ. He doesn't want them to be uninformed about the future of those loved ones who have died. As we'll see later on in the text, those who have died in the faith will one day rise again. And this is a stark contrast to those who have died outside of the faith who, Paul says, have no hope. Those who die, who've, who've fallen asleep, as he says, with no hope, they, they grieve with a heaviness of sorrow. That's what that word means, a heaviness of sorrow. It's a sorrow that you'll never see your loved one again. It's a heaviness that never lifts because death is seemingly so final. And those who have died with hope, however, still have that same grief, but that, that heaviness isn't there. There is hope in the finality. There's an expectation that good will happen. There is a hope that loved ones will be seen again. And we see this in the Old Testament when David's infant son passed away, his servants asked him why he was not fasting in grief for his son. Now he had cried and he had grieved, but then he dusted himself off and went about his life. And they asked him why he was not fasting even longer. David did grieve, but he gave it to the Lord. And he says this in 2 Samuel 12. He says, now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him. But he will not return to me. David's saying that his son 
won't come back to life. However, one day David will die and he will see him again in the afterlife. He was supremely confident in this truth. A Newsweek article in 2018 reported that scientists increasingly believe that even after someone has physically died, that their consciousness is still active. Did you know that? Scientists now believe that. One study saw that doctors recounted shutting off life support for four terminally ill patients, and one of the patients continued emitting delta wave bursts, which is the measurable electrical activity in the brain we normally experience during sleep. For more than 10 minutes after the patient was pronounced dead, there's still brain activity. Research has also shown that people who survive what we call medical death frequently report experiences that share similar themes. They will say they saw bright lights or a benevolent guiding figure or relief from physical pain or a deeply felt sensation of peace. And because those experiences are subjective, it's possible to kind of just chalk them up to hallucinations. But where that explanation fails is among the patients who have died on an operating table or a crash court and reported watching from a corner of the room or from above as doctors tried to save them. There are accounts all over, and this is from a secular journal, seeing things that they shouldn't have been able to see on the table. You may have heard those stories. It leaves the doctors perplexed. How these patients were able to describe objective events that took place while they were dead, we don't know how. But it does seem to suggest, this article says, that when our brains and our bodies die, our consciousness does not, or at least not, right away. One doctor says this, I'm saying we have a consciousness that makes up who we are, ourselves, thoughts, feelings, emotions, and that entity, it seems, does not become annihilated just because we've crossed the threshold of death. It appears to keep functioning and does not dissipate. How long it lingers, we can't say. Science has finally caught up to the idea of what God's people have known all along, that, is that death is not final. Our body is not all there is. We have a soul, spirit, that is ourselves and our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. So we have hope even in that reality of death. We have a future hope in facing that reality. However, existence after death is not just the only hope we have. Look at number two. We have a future hope in the resurrection of the dead. We have a future hope in the resurrection of the dead. Verse 14. Four. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. He says, if we believe this, this will happen. What does believe mean? We, we use that word a lot. It means that you have confidence in the truth. Right? You have confidence in the truth. Believing in the truth of the gospel that Jesus both died and rose is essential for our faith and the hope of the resurrection of the dead. See, belief and hope in Jesus is something we know is true. It's not like, 
Well, you know, I, I hope the Gamecocks win six games this year. I don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a belief in that truth. That's Who knows what will happen, right? But a biblical belief is faith in something we know will happen. The truth of the gospel and who Jesus is and the fact he's coming back. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about this. Paul says this. He says, now Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead. How could some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? See, some were saying that wasn't a thing, even in the church. Verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised, because Christ was the first resurrection. If you don't believe in the resurrection, then Christ is not even resurrected. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Belief that the dead in Christ will rise again is an essential belief of the Christian faith. Furthermore, through Jesus, God will bring those who have died back. This, this phrase in the Greek, will bring, it has the deal of, of leading by the hand. You know, a little two-and-a-half-year-old son hates to be led by the hand. He hates it. He, wants to, he always says, I do it myself. He always says, he's real independent, don't know where he gets it from. He's just so independent. And he just says, I, I, I do it myself. And I explain to him, you can't cross this busy street. You can't cross this parking lot into Walmart by yourself. There's no way you'll survive that. And so when we, when we cross the parking lot, and I tell him, you have to hold my hand. And I got down right in his face, and I looked him in the eyes, and I said, these cars will run you over. It's not safe. You have to hold my hand until we get to that sidewalk. And right when he gets to the sidewalk, right where he knows where the opening to the store somewhere is, and he lets go of my hand. But as we're walking across the sidewalk, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm bringing him with me, leading him by the hand. Even though he thinks he's in control, I'm leading him. This is what this idea is when God says he'll bring those back. He'll lead them back. Take them by the hand. The Greek says they have fallen asleep in Jesus. This is, gives an accurate idea of what it means to die in the faith. We die, we, we, we go to be with Jesus. A man and his five-year-old son were driving past the cemetery. They noticed a large pile of dirt next to a freshly dug grave. When the little boy said, look, Dad, one got out. <laughs> the great news is that one day we'll all get out. Amen? And everybody will be saying that. I thought that man died 20 years ago. Right? Romans 8:38 says this, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Neither death will do it. Nothing can separate us from Jesus Christ. Not even death. We are resting in his arms until he comes back. Paul reiterates this in verse 15. He says this, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, 
will not precede those who have fallen asleep. If Jesus were to return today, those who have fallen asleep in Christ, those who have died in faith, will be resurrected at that exact moment. We don't go to be with Jesus until they come to be with him. In fact, as we're going to see, those who have died in Christ will in some fashion be coming with him. Look at verse 3. I mean, number 3. Finally, we have a future hope in the return of Jesus Christ. Now, in this section, Paul gives the most clear picture in all of Scripture of what Jesus' return is going to look like. The most clear picture in all of Scripture of what his return will look like. Look at verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. There will be some type of command shouted, possibly something like, go. That's what that command is. Go. I don't know if you've seen any of the Marvel movies, the Avengers movies. But in the big movie there toward a few years ago, there was a big fight scene. They all lined up. And they, they kind of had that. They were fighting this other group of aliens and stuff. And they just said, go. And they all ran into battle. This is what it's going to be like. It's not going to be that type of battle. But it's the, it's the command, the cry of command. Be sounded from an archangel. The only archangel we know for sure is Michael. Maybe it'd be Michael. Scripture names it Michael as one. And then a trumpet blast announcing the king's return. And the dead in Christ will rise. Verse 17. And we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. It seems that we will see this glorious rejoining of new body with soul of those who are dead in Christ. Their new bodies will be joined in the air as their, as their souls come back with Jesus. Paul elaborates on this with the Corinthians. <coughs> he talks about the new body. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. Johnny Hill says that should be in the nursery, by the way. Anyway. Verse 52 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality, and when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, there then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In one glorious moment, the dead in Christ will be given new bodies 
and those who are alive, their bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. If it happens today and I'm here, all of a sudden I'll have a new body. <clears throat> Full head of hair, no fat. That's what I'm hoping. It'll be perfect. It'll be sinless. This is how we will be forever. And Jesus will destroy Satan forever. It'll be judgment and God's people will enter eternity. That is the hope that we have. And look what he says in verse 18, almost a biggest understatement to tell the people. <laughs> Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We're, we're called to tell each other these things, to encourage one another about Jesus coming back. Why? Because there's going to be discouragement in our life. There's going to be discouragement in our world. There's going to be discouragement in our community. But we have the hope in Jesus, just as our speaker was talking about today, the hope she had that she'd never heard before. We have that hope, Jesus Christ. Everyone has that who hears the gospel. No matter our trials, no matter our fear of death, it's powerless over our souls. We have a future hope in the return of Jesus Christ. There was an African Muslim who became a Christian. His friends asked him, why have you become a Christian? And he answered them. He said, well, it's like this. Suppose you were going down the road, and suddenly the road forked into two different directions, and you didn't know which way to go. There at the fork were two men, one on one fork and one on the other, one dead and one alive. Who would you ask which way to go? Is that the choice you have today? Is, is Jesus, in Jesus you have the certainty of a future. Today, are, are you today at that road? One path leads to death. Other path leads to hope in Jesus Christ. We have a hope, no matter our circumstances. We have a hope in the future. Not only what Jesus has done, not only what he's doing now, but in his return and our eternity with him. Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today, we thank you so much for being able to read your word. We thank you for giving us your word. Translations of languages across the world. Father, as we close our time together today, if there's not one in here today that's never placed their faith in you, that they would do so today. Father, maybe there's someone here today that are discouraged. They're discouraged about the situations in their life. Maybe sometimes they feel hopeless. But we know that our feelings are not always fact. They're not always truth. But even on our bad days, we have an unwavering, we have a belief in an unwavering truth that you will one day come again. You are still building your church. You are still reaching people. We thank you for that. You're still reaching people all across the world. And until that day when you come back, that is our mission. 
So Lord, we thank you what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. And if those in here discouraged today, even if they're believers, that they would renew their sense of hope in you for who you are and what you've done and the fact that you're coming back. Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.